Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, we have been looking at this series called Living Beneath the Surface. Now, let me explain to you what I mean by that again. Well, I already know, George, I've been coming every week. Well, some of you haven't, so you want to hear what I have to say. What I find is, is for a lot of Christians today, is church is simply just the one hour on Sunday morning. Simply just one hour on Sunday morning. Then they have the rest of their lives. They have the rest of their lives, unless, of course, they take a moment or, or a few seconds to pray before a meal, or unless they're praying right before a test, if you're in school, for wisdom to take that test because you didn't study before and you're just asking for instant revelation of all the answers. That's, that's our Christian life. That's called living on the surface. Christianity is no more than that. But God calls us to something deeper. God calls us to live beneath the surface, and he tells us exactly what we're supposed to do, and he even gives us examples, which is Jesus, of what he's calling us to. Now, you may have been here last week and you thought, wow, Jesus is an example. What do I do with that? Well, we're going to learn today. very next section in the scripture tells us a little bit more of what you and I are supposed to do with it, But again, remember what I told you, he just doesn't tell you what to do, he also tells you how he helps you, or how to do it. And that's what we're going to see today. And what we're going to see today is that when God tells us to do something, he always, listen to me, he always empowers you to do it. Let me say that again. When God tells you to do something, He always empowers you to do it. Because here's what happens. A lot of times, God will tell you to do something, and you're like, well, wait a minute, God, I I know what you want to do, but I don't have the abilities in that area. Or I don't have the finances in that area. I don't have anything in that area to do what you're calling me to do. Listen, God will always tell you to do something that you will think is impossible. Why? Because he wants to do it through you. If you could do it by yourself... Who gets the glory? You do. But if God does things through you that you realize is only him doing it, who gets the glory then? God. And that's what he wants. He wants to be glorified through your life to see you do things that only he can do through you. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about being empowered. So I want you to notice with me We're just going to look at two verses today, verses 12 and 13, and talk about being empowered. Look at what he says, verse 12 of chapter 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now let's unwrap this, because you're like, what? What's he saying here? 
When you and I begin to realize what he's saying here in these two verses, it will open your mind and your heart to what it means to live beneath the surface. So let's take a look. We're going to look at one verse at a time. Let's look at verse 12. We're going to see a call to action here. He's, again, calling you to do something. You want to get off the surface of just surface spirituality where it's boring. You want to go deeper in your walk with Jesus. He's going to call you to do something. I want you to look at what he says here. First thing, just one little word, therefore. What in the world does that therefore mean? Well, he's talking about because Jesus humbled himself and was exalted, you and I are to follow that example. So here's the point. Just as Jesus humbled himself and obeyed, we're called to do the same. We're called to do the same. It's going back to, what's, what's the same, George? It's going back to this whole issue of who you're living your life for. Look, if you're, it's all about you and what you want out of life and you're in it just for yourself, you're always going to be on the surface. But if you want to live beneath the surface and live in the midst of the relationship that God wants to have for you, the exciting adventure that he has for you, you've got to get beneath the surface. And that means you've got to start living your life not for yourself, but also for others. Church doesn't become what I get out of it. Church becomes who can I help by being here today. Who can I be an encouragement to? Who can I pray for? Did you understand what I'm saying? Because as soon as I say, who can I help? My introverts here, I'm an introvert, I know. I ain't reaching out to nobody. God understands your personality type. But you might be an introvert, but you can be a prayer. It may take a lot for you to go across the room and say, hi, But you are aware, and that can cause you to pray. Do you understand? See, just as Jesus humbled himself and obeyed, you're called to do the same. You're to humble yourself. Quit thinking about yourself and begin to think about others. That's the call to action. Here's the second thing what you see about that call to action. True believers are already seeking to obey God with their lives. See, if you truly know Jesus, here's what Paul's saying. Look, let me read it to you. Paul's saying, as you have always obeyed, as you have always obeyed. He's not saying that this is something that they need to start doing. He's saying they're already doing that. Look, if you are here and you love Jesus and you follow him and you've given your life to him, you are already, there's something inside of you that already wants to do what God's calling him to do. Isn't that true? If you love Jesus and you are saved and you are following him, you already in your heart are saying, yes, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. You're already trying. Now, that doesn't mean you're perfect. That doesn't mean you get it right. That doesn't mean that you are actually fulfilling it, but the desire's there, Right? You're already striving to do what God's calling you to do. That's the point I want you to see here. He's not asking you to do anything more than what he's already doing in your heart right now. Because as soon as I talk about call to action, you're wondering, where's he going to send me? 
North Korea? No. He's going to send you to Clearfield County, where you are. He's going to have you eat at McDonald's or eat at Burger King, shop at Walmart or Save-A-Lot or J&G or Goodman's. Rub shoulders where you're rubbing shoulders. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you're already trying as you're living your life. If you truly love him, you're already seeking to obey him right now. Am I right in saying that? That's the point he's making here. But he goes on a little bit further. Here's the third thing I want you to see there. This is what he says. We ought to put our salvation into practice. Now he makes a statement here that confuses people. So let me read it to you. And let me explain to you what he's saying here. Look at what he says. But now, much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's calling you to work out your own salvation. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Some of you would read that and say, well, I thought salvation was by faith and I couldn't do anything for it. Yes, you're right. He's not telling you to work for your salvation. That's not what he's saying here. What he's saying to you is, because you are saved, show it. You work out the reality of who you are, a believer. You're to put your salvation into practice. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are to put what you believe here in your head, in your heart, into your actions. See, that's what living beneath the surface is. When you live on the surface, I can just believe it and be whoever I want to be the rest of the week. But the reality is, if you truly know him, he's already working in your heart to do what's right anyhow. He's calling you to what? Put it into practice what you believe. Now, let me just stop for a moment. As soon as I say that, somebody's going to say, Oh, no, George, you want me to carry my Bible to work. And read it during lunch. I didn't say that. Where did you get that? Where did you get that crazy concept? Because you've watched other people who you think are, quote, spiritual, and you feel like you've got to be like them? Let me just stop for a moment. Jesus doesn't want you to be like other people. He wants you to be you, the person he's working through. Do you understand? Now, you don't have to carry a Bible. If you've got a smartphone, get a Bible app. And you can still read. And it's a good habit to have. But you don't have to be overtly oppressive to people. But you live your life in such a way that others see, hey, there's a difference. You're saved and you show it through the way that you live your life. We're called to put into practice what we believe. Now, he's going to tell you how to put it into practice. What do you mean he's going to tell me how? Well, look at that last part of that verse there, because you could overlook it. It says, with fear and trembling. What? He wants me to cower? I mean, our, our thought when we read that is, okay, how many of you remember this? I remember this. Young George, growing up in South Carolina, 
doing something stupid at school or something stupid in the neighborhood and word gets back to mom and dad. And mom was at home, dad was at work, and mom, you know, if I brought something home from school or whatever, her, her words would always be, wait till your daddy gets home. How many of you ever heard those words? Now, were you confident? Okay. No, no, you had what? Fear and trembling. And did you notice that time didn't go by fast? It crept so that you could think about it. And then all of a sudden, you like you knew when daddy would show up. It's getting to be that hour. And the clock, the second hand is going like one minute. Boom, boom. And you hear the vehicle pull up. And, and you're in your room, and you know mom's talking to him, and you hear him coming down the hallway to your room, and you're like, oh, I'm going to be okay. No, you had fear and trembling, right? Now, when we read that, we think that that's what God's wanting us to be like. <laughs> I'm afraid. I better do this for Jesus. That's not what he's talking about. What's he talking about? Well, here's the point. I'm going to work out my salvation. I'm going to be obedient to what he calls me to do. I'm going to put my salvation into action. Here's what he's saying. We're to do this with a proper perspective of what? Reverence and awe. I'm to do this with reverence and awe. What is it like? I, I remember... My, my school athletic career was very short. I wrestled. And uh, I remember the first time and only time I wrestled in an event. Two days later, I would break my leg and my collarbone, and that ended my career, which is okay. But I remember the first time I wrestled, my mom, my brother, and my sister up in the stands. And you want to do well to what? Impress them. That's what he's talking about here. You work out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling, with awe and reverence, because you're doing it to the one who showed his amazing grace to you and saved you and took away your shame and took away your guilt and made you a new person. Do you understand what I'm saying? You work it out because of what he did for you. Not because you're afraid. Oh, he's going to do something to me. No, because you want. Because he's your daddy. You called God daddy? Well, that's what he says. You can go to him and say, Abba, Father. The word Abba is the Greek word for daddy. You can go to him and literally say, Daddy. That's what he's talking about here. He's calling us to action. Live like who you are. Now, here's the amazing thing. Here's the thing that blows my mind, because immediately some of you are like, I want to do that, George, I want to do that. But I don't know how. Or I've tried before and I've messed up. That's where verse 13 comes in. Verse 13 tells us God's empowerment. Let's look at verse 13. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Four things I want to show you here 
Four things I'm going to spend time on in this verse to give you an understanding. Number one, God is currently working in your life. Let me say that again. God is currently working in your life. Now stop. As soon as I say that, somebody says, well, that can't be true. I've been talking to him. I've been praying. I don't hear anything when I pray. I don't even sense God's presence anymore. How can you be sure? He's working in your life right now. He's working. That's what the the tense here is in this passage. The tense in this passage is saying, for he works in you. He is continually working in you. Do you guys remember the poem? It was real big, popular 30 years ago. Footsteps, talked about on the beach, and you're walking side by side, and there's two sets of footprints. And then when you're in the midst of your trial, it seems like there's only one and one set of footprints have left. And we think that God has left, but later the poem says he was carrying us. He was carrying us through our problem. He said, work in your life right now. If you know Jesus, here's what I'm trying to tell you. God is already at work in your life. Through the painful times, through the exciting times, he's already at work. That's what he's saying here. So when he tells you to live out your life, he's already at work in your life to see you do it. Isn't that amazing? Here's the second thing. Let me read the phrase to you, and then I'm going to divide it into two points so that you understand. He says, For God is at work in you, both to will and to do. Both to will and to do. Now, here's the two points. I'm going to take them one at a time. Number one, God works in our lives so that we want to do what he's asking. That's a big difference, isn't it? God works in your life so that you want to do what he's asking. Now, let me just stop for a moment. I think we can all relate to this because I tell my kids, hey, it's Thursday. I need you to go out and get the garbage to the road. Now, do they really want to do that? No. That's why I have to tell them three times. Right? And are they just like, oh, I can't wait. It's Thursday to put that garbage out. That's not what they're thinking. They're looking for a reason to be away so that they aren't told to do it. Listen, when God tells us to do something, he's already at work in your heart to want to do it. You want to do what he's saying. Where did that desire come from? It didn't come from you, folks. It came from him. He's already at work in your heart to will. He's already at work in your heart to want to do it. That comes from him working in your life to be obedient. You want to do what he's doing. Isn't that awesome? Because a lot of times we just think of what God tells us to do as some kind of burden. Oh, I don't want to do this. No, you want to. That's what he's saying here because he's already at work in your life. Here's the second thing I want you to see. God works in our lives so that we can do what he's asking. 
He just doesn't create the desire in your heart to do it. He gives you the ability, the resources to do it. Isn't that awesome? That, when I realized that, that changed the way I prayed. I'm just going to be honest with you. When I began to grasp this truth... It's not just that he creates the desire in your heart to do it. He gives you the ability to do it. It changed the way that I prayed. What do you mean? So many times I would say to him, Lord, I know you want us to do this. I know you're, you're leading us to do this, but how can we do it, Lord? I don't have the brain power, Lord. I don't have the manpower. I don't have the financial power. I can't do it. But I want to, but I can't. Now my prayers are different. I basically say the same thing now, but I've changed the way I prayed. What do you mean? I go to him and I say, Lord, I know you want us to do this, but I can't do it. But I know that you will help me to do it. You'll give me the ability to do it. You'll give me the strength. You'll provide the resources from somewhere to do it. You'll do it. And that's, you know what? When Jesus says, if you abide in me, remember that passage Brad read from John 15? If you abide in me and my words abide in me, you, you'll bring forth much fruit, for without me you could do nothing. And then he says, whatsoever you ask in my name, I'll do it so that the Father is glorified. Jesus is glorified by you doing what he asks you to do because he helps you to do it. See, what he's calling us to do to live out our salvation, to live in that and beneath the surface, he gives you the ability to do it. Now, there's one other thing I want you to see here why he does it. Look at that last phrase in verse 13. For his good pleasure. What? He creates in you the desire to do it. He gives you the ability to do it. Why? For his good pleasure. What are you talking about, George? Here's what I want you to see. This is will blow your mind if you understand it. Listen to this point. Our lives bring God pleasure. Our lives bring God pleasure. I think we understand that. If you're a parent here, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. What do you mean? I'm dad. I'm at a football game. I'm watching my son out there banging his heart out on a drum. And he's looking good. And I'm feeling proud. Or when my boys were playing basketball, watching them out there and they make a good shot or they make a basket. Dad is German, so he's not saying much, but I'm thinking, ah, wow. That's on the inside. Do you know what I'm saying? It brings me pleasure to watch my kids. You know what I'm talking about? You are the child of God. He tells you what he wants you to do. He creates in your heart a desire to do it. He gives you the ability to do it. And here's what he says. For his good pleasure. He is excited. You and your life 
brings him pleasure. You, you bring him pleasure. Well, you don't know what I've done. You don't understand grace then. He's forgiven you. You bring him pleasure. In fact, my favorite psalm, if you don't know this psalm yet, you should because I tell it all the time. Psalm 37. Listen to what David writes, verse 23 and 24. For the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Stop for a moment. God orders our lives, and he delights. He's excited. He brings It brings him pleasure the way you live. But look at the next verse. He's going to answer you who says, I've messed up. There's no way. Listen to what he says. Verse 24. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Even though you mess up, God's still holding you. Isn't that awesome? Listen, aren't you tired of boring Christianity? Aren't you tired of just one hour a week and praying or whatever? Don't you want to see him working in your life? Don't you want to go deeper and see the experience of acting on what he's telling you to do and watching him give you the ability and the resources to do it? And know that your life is bringing him pleasure. Don't you want to get beneath the surface? Then listen, he gives you the ability to do it, but you've got to choose to live there. I can't choose it for you. If I could choose it for you, every one of you would be there. But I can't. You have to choose it. It's right there. So let me give you two thoughts. Recognize God is creating desires for obedience in you and act on them. He's talking to you. Listen, I have been around a long time now to know this. He is talking to some of you this morning. Now, I don't know what he's telling you. You do. But I know he's talking to you. And he's talking to some of you about things specifically. I'll never forget. Pastored in Canada took a group of men to Promise Keepers. Promise Keepers was a men's event years ago. How many of you remember that? And, I, and this was, we were in Canada, and we went to the one in Syracuse, New York, and we took a bunch of guys there, and we had a great time that weekend. We came back, and I'm with this guy. We're at a donut shop. So I'm there, I'm talking with this guy, and he said, God spoke to me. God spoke to me at that conference, George. Really, what did he talk to you about? Well, he told me to go back to my ex-wife and apologize. What? I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, all right, I remember every speaker, I remember everything. Nothing like that was said there. God spoke to him. And he did it. Some of you are here today, and God's talking to you. I don't know what it is he's talking to you, but he's telling you something. Listen. He creates in you a desire for obedience. Now you act on it. You act on it. You do what he's telling you to do. That's reality. Here's the second thing. Living beneath the surface means you're living out your salvation. Living beneath the surface means you're living out your salvation. That means you begin to live in obedience to what he tells you to do. Not what somebody else tells you to do. What, not what some pet issue that a preacher has. Not what you heard on TV or what, what your grandmama thinks you should do because you're a Christian. 
living beneath the surface is living and doing what God tells you to do. It's living out your salvation. That's what you need to do. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.